0: part two chapter nine of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain nine christmas at Stoneley. two years and a half after that visit to london bessie mcpherson now a young lady of nearly eighteen stood by the western window of the old house at Stoneley, reading a letter from neil he had been at stoneleigh several times since that summer in london and these visits with his letters always so affectionate and bright were the only breaks in bessie's monotonous life once jack had been there for a few days or rather to the george where he slept and took his meals spending the rest of the time with bessie who interested him more and more and from whom he at last fled as from a positive danger with his limited income and his habits he could not hope to marry even if bessie would have joined her young life with his matured one which he doubted and with a great pang of regret he left her in the old stoneleigh garden and did not dare look back at her sitting there with the troubled look on her face because he was leaving lest he should turn back and taking her in his arms say the words he must not say and so he went his way to busy london and heard from blanche that the white-haired old earl in the north of england was dead and the puny dick master in his place only two between you and a fortune seemed whispered in his ear and with it came a thought of bessie sitting under the old yew-tree in the summer sunshine and looking after him murderer he said to himself again do you wish dick dead and hal too the finest fellow that ever lived for the sake of a young girl whose mind is full of a prig like neil mcpherson and so he put all thoughts of bessie aside and wore mourning for his great-uncle and wrote a letter to the new heir sir dick and sent his love to flossie and went no more to stoneleigh but neil was coming again and his letter to bessie was as follows london december twentieth eighteen hundred blank my sweetest cousin and when i say that i mean it for though blanche is just as much my cousin as you are and is in her way sweet as sugar she bears no comparison to you my little dot as i used to call you when you were a wee thing and let me kiss you as often as i liked my welsh rose i call you now when you wear long dresses and will not let me kiss you or at least will not kiss me as you did before you made that trip to london two years ago last june something happened to you then which shot you up into a woman and i lost my little bessie but how absurdly i am writing as if i were your lover instead of your cousin and as good as engaged to blanche i suppose mother would break her heart if i did not marry that ten thousand pounds a year i used to say i wouldn't you know but nous verrons what i wish to tell you now is that i am coming to stoneleigh for the christmas holidays mother wishes me to go with her and blanche to some stupid place near edinburgh and we have had a jolly row about it but i prefer Stoneley and you so you may expect me the twenty third on the evening train from bangor and please tell old dorothy to have a roasting fire in my room which you know is something after the stable order and oh if she would have plum pudding and chicken pie for dinner you see i make myself quite at home at stoneleigh and i have a weakness for the good things of this world i do not believe i was cut out for a poor man i might be poor and honest but never poor and happy by the way i am to bring a friend with me or rather he is to stop first at carnarvon to hunt up somebody by the name of rogers whom he is very anxious to find rogers rogers bessie repeated thoughtfully seems to me i have heard that name before who is neil's friend i wonder i am sorry he is coming for that means another fire and another plate at table and we are so poor neil is right it is not so easy to be poor and happy as one might think and the look of care habitual to bessie's face deepened upon it for funds were very low at stoneleigh just then it was weeks since they had received anything from daisy and archie's slender income would barely suffice for absolute necessaries leaving nothing for extra fires and extra mouths to feed with plum pudding and chicken pie and all the et cetera's of a regular christmas dinner such as neil would expect resuming the letter at last bessie read on i have asked him to spend a day at stoneleigh after he has finished his business in carnarvon and he has accepted and will be with us at christmas he is an american gray gerald from boston and the right sort of a fellow too not a bit of a cad if he did thrash me unmercifully the first time i ever saw him he served me just right and we are great friends now he was at eton with me and at oxford too and took the wind out of all our sails in both places no sneak about him and though he seems more english than american from having lived with us so long he would knock me down now if i were to say a word against his star-spangled banner his father and mother are in boston and he has crossed i don't know how many times mostly i think to see an old aunt hannah whom he seems to worship and whose photograph he actually kissed the day he got it at eton such an old-fashioned woman too as she must be judging from her dress and hair but such a sweet patient sorry face with an expression about the mouth like you when la petite madame is under discussion i hear she is at monte carlo still a friend saw her there flirting with and fleecing an italian count who has quite cut out that poodle of a hardy oh neil oh mother bessie cried and the look about her mouth of which neil had spoken was pitiable to see as the lips quivered and the great tears sprang to her eyes and stood on her long lashes fleecing an italian count she whispered if mother were to send us money now i do not believe i would touch it then she read on you are sure to like grey gerald and if you do not fall in love with him i shall be surprised he of course will surrender to you at once and he is worthy of you i am to make some stupid calls with my mother and blanche so good-bye till tuesday night i only live till then your loving cousin Neil." for some time after finishing neil's letter bessie stayed by the window very still and thoughtful with a half-pleased half-troubled look in her young face she was thinking of neil's projected visit and planning how she could make him comfortable and his friend i can dispense with a fire in my room and the boots i was going to buy these are not so very bad though they do leak at times and she glanced down rather ruefully at the little shabby boots in which her feet were encased and which she had worn so long i hope neil will not notice them he is so fastidious about such things she said with a sigh and then her thoughts went back to the summer when she had visited london and met jack trevelyan who had been so kind and done so much for her her mother had been home several times since then and had spoken of jack as a noble fellow with nothing small in his nature but he is greatly changed from what he used to be she said when i first knew him at monte carlo he was almost as regular at the tables as i was myself and a capital partner at cards but now he never plays at all and did not even go inside the casino notwithstanding i did my best to persuade him i think there must be some woman concerned in the change well she is fortunate if she gets jack Trevellian. i wish bessie you had more tact for i know he was interested in you he is worth forty neil mcphersons oh mother please don't talk like that bessie said thinking to herself that she could tell if she would why he did not play as formerly and feeling a great throb of gladness that he was keeping his promise to her if he had been coming to stoneleigh bessie would not have cared for her surroundings or her shabby shoes for he would not have noticed them or if he did he would not have let her know it as neil was sure to do neil was very particular and critical and had more than once hurt bessie cruelly with his criticism upon her dress but then he was just as severe upon blanche and that was some comfort and with a sigh as she remembered what he had said of being as good as engaged she put the letter aside and went to tell dorothy of the expected guests and to consult with her as to the ways and means of making them comfortable fortunately i have some money saved of my own and you must make it go as far as possible and be sure that we have a good christmas dinner with plum pudding and whipped cream she said as she emptied into the old servant's hand what had been intended for boots and gloves and a christmas present for her father and now the day when neil was expected had come and it lacked but a few minutes of the time for the arrival of the train everything was ready and the old house wore quite a festive appearance with its holiday dress of evergreens and scarlet berries and all the flowers there were in blossom in the conservatory which opened from the dining-room and was kept warm without extra expense everything which could be spared from other parts of the house had been brought to neil's room where a cheerful fire was burning in the grate and where bessie's own easy chair and couch and bright afghan were doing duty and making the place very comfortable and attractive during the two years and a half which had elapsed since bessie's visit to london she had changed somewhat and was more a woman than a child with a matured and if possible a sweeter expression in her face though there still lingered about her mouth that same sorry patient look which jack Trevellian had wanted so much to kiss away it was very apparent this afternoon as she stood by the window looking out upon the snow which covered the garden and park and made her shiver a little and think of the mother who should have been at home lightening her daughter's burden and cheering her lonely life how happy the girls must be who have real mothers bessie thought and then as if the regret for the mother reflected upon the father who was so much to her she went up to him by the fire and stooping over him kissed him tenderly she always did that when her mother was in her mind and by some subtle intuition archie had come to know it and now his voice was very tender and loving as he drew her down upon his knee and stroking her hair said to her good little bessie what should i do without you you are very lovely to-night in your finery are you glad neil is coming yes very glad bessie replied blushing a little very glad for neil but i do not think i want that american here too i wish neil had left him from the programme oh yes i remember you told me that neil said he was coming they are great friends i believe archie said then after a moment he continued i dare say he is a gentleman you may like him very much no i shall not bessie rejoined tapping the floor impatiently with her boot whose shabbiness french blacking could not wholly conceal i shall be civil to him of course as neil's friend but i would rather he did not come spoiling everything i see neil so seldom that i want him all to myself when he is here he is the only cousin i have you know for a moment archie was silent and when at last he spoke he said bessie don't think too much of neil as i told you once in london so i tell you now he is too selfish by nature and too ambitious to care particularly for anything which cannot advance his interests he likes you very much, no doubt, and if you had a fortune, I dare say he would seek to make you his wife, but as you have not, he will marry Blanche Trevelyan, who has. Yes, he will marry Blanche, Bessie said softly, and the old, tired, sorry look crept into her eyes and deepened about her mouth as she thought, "If I had a fortune, oh, that if what a big one it is in my case, and yet it is impressed upon me that somewhere in the world there is a fortune awaiting me very far from here it may be but still somewhere but then neil will be gone before i get it and i shall not care and as it had done more than once before a sharp pain cut through bessie's heart as she thought what life would be with neil making no part of it so absorbed had she and her father been that neither of them had heard the train as it glided swiftly by, but when after a few moments had elapsed there was the stamping of feet outside and a cheery call to the house dog, who had set up a welcome bark, Bessie sprang from her father's knee, exclaiming, That's Neil, he has come, and I am so glad she was out in the hall by this time waiting expectantly while anthony opened the door admitting neil who kissed bessie twice and told her how glad he was to see her again and how well her stuffed dress of dark claret became her or would if she had left off that knot of scotch plaid ribbon at the throat which marred the effect bessie's cheeks flushed at this criticism upon the ribbon she liked so much and had bought for this very occasion with a view to please her cousin he was in very high spirits it seemed to her as she listened to his gay gabardinage and laughter but how handsome he was in his new holiday suit every item of which was faultless and of the latest style if his mother stinted him in other ways she surely did not where his wardrobe was concerned and he had the reputation of being one of the best dressed young men in london when dinner was over and he had finished his cigar which he smoked in the presence of bessie she asked him of the american who was coming the next evening oh yes gray Gerald," neil said and the finest specimen of a yankee you ever saw i don't believe i like yankees bessie said curtly and neil replied you will like this one you cannot help it everybody likes him from the shabbiest old woman in the railway carriage to the prettiest girl in piccadilly perhaps it was a liberty i ought not to have taken inviting him here without consulting you first but i wanted you to see him and him to see you "'and there was a vehemence in Neil's voice and manner which Bessie could not understand. "'He is rich or will be by and by,' Neil said, "'and the most generous chap I ever saw. "'He was always helping us out of scrapes at school. "'He has a rich aunt in America who keeps him well supplied with money "'besides what his father gave him when he came of age.' "'What did you say he was doing in Carnarvon?' Bessie asked, and Neil replied hunting up some old woman or young woman i don't know which as i never paid much attention to what he did say about it i believe though there is some money in the case i wish it was for me neil said and then suddenly he sank into a thoughtful abstracted mood from which he did not rouse till the clock struck ten and it was time to say good-night i have not been very good company for the last hour i have been worried lately and i am not quite myself said to bessie when she asked if he were ill and if there was anything she could do for him or send to his room and neil had been worried and exasperated and wrought upon until he was half beside himself his mother had wished him to accompany her and blanche to the house of a friend near edinburgh and when he refused saying he preferred to go to stoneleigh there had been a jolly row as he expressed it and his mother had charged him with his preference for the daughter of that bold adventuress and had told him decidedly that if he ever dared to marry her he should never touch a shilling of her money either during her lifetime or after for once assured of the marriage she would so arrange her matters that he would be as great a beggar as archie mcpherson himself a family of paupers she said scornfully your father has nothing to give you absolutely nothing and you can yourself judge how with your tastes and habits you will like living at stoneleigh with two meals a day as i hear they sometimes do blacking your own boots and building your own fires here neil winced for he knew very well that he had no fancy for poverty even if bessie shared it with him but he told his mother he had and consigned blanche's ten thousand a year to a place where the gold might be melted and said he loved bessie mcpherson better than anything in life and should marry her if he pleased in spite of a hundred mothers but he knew he should not knew he could not face the reality when it came to the point he was too dependent upon what wealth would bring him to throw it away for one girl even if that girl were bessie whom he loved with all the intensity of his selfish nature loved so much that for an hour or so after his interview with his mother he balanced the two questions blanche with ten thousand a year or bessie with nothing naturally blanche turned the scale and then to himself he said i will go to stoneleigh and live for a few days in bessie's presence and then i will say good-bye for ever and marry blanche as mother wishes me to do she is not so very bad except for her eyebrows and that horrid drawl but bessie oh bessie how can i give her up and the young man's heart cried out in pain for the sweet young girl he had loved all his life and who he was sure loved him to do neil justice this was the bitterest drop in the cup the knowing that bessie too would suffer she has enough to bear he said without an added drop from me i wish she would get in love with some one else and throw me overboard i believe i could bear it better there's jack he was awfully sweet on her in london but he has only been to see her once since he is too poor to marry and there is no one else yes by jove there is and neil started to his feet there is grey gerald he is just the man for bessie to fall in love with if she could see him and i'll bring that about it may seem strange that one so utterly selfish as neil mcpherson should have devised this plan to help him in his dilemma but this in fact was only another phase of his selfishness he knew it was impossible for him to marry bessie and felt that it was also impossible to give her up without other aid than his own feeble will if she could prefer someone else to himself it would be a help however much his self-love might be wounded and if another man than himself must taste the sweetness he so coveted he would far rather that others should be gray Gerald, an american even though he bore the rose away to foreign soil than to have one of his own countrymen flaunting his happiness in his face bessie and gray were suited to each other he thought and he would bring them together so when he heard from gray of his intended trip to carnarvon he suggested that he defer it until the holidays and spend a day or two at stoneleigh then he wrote to bessie that he was as good as engaged to blanche and that she would probably fall in love with grey who was sure to do so with her this done he began to anticipate the visit which he said to himself was to be his last and from which he meant to get all the happiness possible he would kiss bessie as often as he liked he would hold her hands in his the dear little hands which had worked so hard but which nevertheless were so soft and pretty he would look into the innocent blue eyes and see them kindle and droop beneath his gaze and then there should be one long never-to-be-forgotten walk by themselves across the suspension bridge through the straggling old town and along the road by the river toward beaumaris and he would tell her everything all his love for her and its utter hopelessness because they were both so poor and he would say good-bye for ever and bid her marry grey Gerald, and so remove temptation from him and make it easier for him to be true to blanche it was much easier for neil to form this plan than to be satisfied with it and during the few days which elapsed before he started for stoneleigh he was cross and irritable and even rude at times both to his mother and blanche the latter of whom finally treated him with a cold indifference which made him fear a little for the ten thousand what if she should take the bits in her teeth and throw me overboard he thought and at the very last he changed his tactics and devoted himself to the heiress with an assiduity which left her little doubt of his intentions still to her he did not speak though to his mother he said half irritably as if it were something wrung from him against his will don't trouble yourself i intend to marry blanche in my own good time but i will not be hurried and am going to stoneleigh first and he went to stoneleigh and tried all the way there to think of bessie as she looked in the park in the old faded gown with the disfiguring puffs tried to make himself believe that she had no manner no style and would not pass for a great lady among people city-bred that she was better suited to some quiet home such as grey Gerald might give her were he happy enough to win her neil had no doubt that grey would try to win her when once he had seen her and he began at last to feel sorry that he had invited his friend to stoneleigh and to have doubts as to his ability to give bessie up even to him he was sure of it when he reached stoneleigh and saw her with the brightness on her face and the sparkle in her eye as she welcomed him she might not be as elegant or as stylish as blanche who had lived in the city all her life but she was inexpressibly sweet and womanly and there was in every movement a grace and quiet dignity which stamped her as a lady and neil recognized it as he had never had before and fought the battle over again all through the silent night and was still fighting it in the morning when he went down to breakfast and looked at bessie as she poured his coffee in her grey dress and pretty white muslin apron with the daintily frilled pockets and just the corner of a blue-bordered handkerchief showing in one of them neil liked the dress and the effect of the blue handkerchief but he did not like the apron it made her look so like a housemaid and he told her so when breakfast was over and they stood a moment alone by the fire reddening a little bessie answered him laughingly yes you told me once before that you did not like my apron and i know it would be out of place on your mother or blanche but it suits me for you see i am housemaid here and clear my own table and wash my own silver and china dorothy is old and has the rheumatism in her feet and i must help so mr aristocrat if you do not wish to see me degrade myself just go and take a walk and when you come back the obnoxious apron shall be laid aside and we will practise that song you brought me neil did not go out and walk but stayed in the dining-room and smoked his cigar and looked at bessie as she cleared away the breakfast dishes and washed the silver and china with her sleeves drawn halfway to her elbows showing her round white arms yes she is just suited to america where i believe the women all wear aprons and wash their own dishes neil thought as he watched her with a strange feeling in his heart of pain and happiness happiness that for a few days at least she was his to look at to love to caress pain that the days were so few and so short when he must leave her and then there arose before him as in a vision a picture of a quiet home amid green hedgerows and sunny lanes not a home such as blanche's would be with gorgeous surroundings and liveried servants everywhere but such a home as makes a man better for living in it a home where the housewifely bessie was the presiding goddess flitting about just as she was doing now putting away the silver and china brushing up the hearth moving a chair here and another there watering her pots of flowers in the conservatory tea roses and carnations and heliotrope and lilies all in bloom and filling the room with sweet perfume as if it were the summer time instead of chill december with its biting blasts sweeping against the windows there bessie said at last removing her apron pulling down her sleeves and smoothing her bright wavy hair i have dismissed the housemaid and now i am ready to sing for you or play chess or do whatever you like but neil was in no mood for singing or playing chess or even talking much and his fit of abstraction lasted all day or until late in the afternoon when bessie began to speak of getting herself in readiness for gray who was to come in the evening train from carnarvon then neil roused as if he had nerved himself for the sacrifice manifested a great deal of interest with regard to bessie's personal appearance i want you to get yourself up stunningly he said so as to make a good first appearance i have told grace so much about you that he must not be disappointed ridiculous i shall wear just what i wore yesterday bow and all for i like it bessie said with a little defiant toss of her head she too had been thinking while neil sat so silent and moody by the fire and had decided that he had greatly changed for the worse since she had seen him last that he was hard to please moody exacting and quite too much given to criticising her and her dress as if it is any of his business what i wear she thought and she took a kind of exultant satisfaction in fastening on the knot of ribbon he had condemned and which really was very becoming to her plain dark dress i suppose mr grey Gerald, i must waste a clean collar and a pair of cuffs on you though that will be so much more for me to iron next week she said as she stood before the mirror in her room which was to be given to the coming guest i hope sir you will appreciate all i am doing for you for i assure you it is no small matter to turn out from my comfortable quarters into that barn of a room where the wind blows a hurricane and the rats scurry over the floor ugh how i dread it and you too she continued shaking her head at the imaginary grey who stood before her mind's eye black-eyed black-whiskered black-faced and a very giant in proportions as she fancied all americans to be her toilet completed she removed from the room everything which she thought would betray the fact that it was her apartment and carried them with a shiver to the chamber facing the north where the rats scurried over the floor at night and the wind blew a hurricane there i am ready for your pythias do you think i shall pass muster she said to neil as she entered the dining-room where he was sitting it would indeed have been a very censorious fault-finding man who could have seen aught amiss in the beautiful young girl plain as her dress might be and for answer to her question neil stood up and kissed her saying as he did so he will think you perfect though i don't like the ribbon i don't like any colour about you except your hair and eyes i wish you would take it off mr gerald may think differently i am dressed for him and as i like it i mean to wear it bessie answered curtly but with a bright smile as she looked into neil's face oh well chacun a son goût," he said consulting his watch and adding it is time i was starting for the station the train is due in fifteen minutes when he was gone bessie began to feel a little nervous with regard to the stranger coming among them hitherto she had thought only of the extra expense and the trouble he would give old dorothy whose feet and ankles were badly swollen and paining her so much i may have to cook and serve the christmas dinner myself she said and i don't mind the work only i do not want this american from boston where the women are so full of brains to think me a mere dishwasher and chimney-sweep i wonder if he is half as nice as neil says he is and if i shall like him of course i shan't but i shall treat him well for neil's sake and be so glad when he has gone then she proceeded to lay the table for supper as they usually dined in the middle of the day dorothy's feet were more active then and archie preferred an early dinner everything was in readiness at last the bread and the butter and the jam with cold chicken and ham and the kettle singing on the hearth the curtains drawn and the bright fire making shadows on the wall and falling upon the young girl who as her ear caught the sound of footsteps without ran to the window and parting the heavy curtains looked out into the darkness so that the first glimpse Gray Gerald had of her was of her fair eager face framed in waves of golden-brown hair and pressed against the window-pane in the vain effort to see the dreaded American chapter nine.